Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very accomplished and senior professional from London, UK, Mr. Andrea Petroni. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Ashutosh. Thank you. Andrea is an executive coach and advisor to CEO and their leadership teams. And today we'll talk coaching, strategy, and culture. So Andrea, let me start by asking you, you know, you help CEOs and senior executives to become world-class leaders. Help me explain the process you follow and please give an example. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, every, every really ambitious professional wants to get to the top right mm-hmm. so what i do i really help them to to improve themselves to find a way to find mm-hmm. the key really to build their influence their reputation and their leadership presence mm-hmm. in order then to lead effectively any type of organization it really doesn't matter whether you know it's a small company large yeah. company that doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. the process and what you really need to learn as a leader doesn't really change much mm-hmm. So that's essentially my goal. And, and I've been, you know, CEO myself. I've been a senior executive myself. So I know, you know, what is probably one of the best way, even fastest way to mm. get there. Wonderful. It, to give you some example, I mean, we, 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 you know, I, I coach with international leaders. And what I realize is they all have a sort of blind spot, Ashutosh, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes we feel that we have all the answers, we know whatever we need in order mm-hmm. to lead properly. But the reality is, because we are humans, we we have those specific blind spots that might actually have an impact on our ability to lead successfully in an organization. Mm-hmm. So my goal at the beginning is really try to find out what these blind spots are. Okay. Because once once you really know what they are, Mm. then you can give them a name. But most Mm. importantly, you can start working on it because there might be one single blind spot Mm -hmm. that might have an incredible negative impact Mm. on your performance. Wonderful. And if you show the blind spot to your team, most likely even your team, unfortunately, maybe will have the same behavior. So you have to make sure that you are the message in the organization. So Mm -hmm. it all starts from your from you and from your self-awareness. Very interesting. And for my viewers and listeners, can you give an example of what a blind spot could be? Oh, yeah, totally. So right now, for example, I'm working with a leader that he didn't know or didn't think to have one blind spot that was actually for me quite dangerous, was Mm -hmm. his inability to listen properly his teammates. Okay. And when you don't listen, when you are distracted, mm-hmm. when you talk, when you listen, when you meet people, mm-hmm. then you essentially you are not able to go deeper in what really is going on in mm-hmm. your life, in your career, in the job they are doing, the project are running. So listening, for example, as well as empathy, are one of two of the the major blind spots that right now most mm-hmm. of people at the very senior leader have. How interesting. So, Andre, after a successful corporate career, what made you become a coach? Yeah, well, great question. And uh, we ask ourselves this question many times. Mm-hmm. In my in my experience, Ashutosh, I think what led me to, to take this path was the mm-hmm. fact that uh, a couple of reasons, I think. One is the fact that uh, I did have the luxury of having a coach myself in my corporate career. Mm-hmm. And also, I have been, honestly not very lucky or having great boss. I had fused, but mm. I had a lot of 
bad bosses too. Mm. And then I realized that, okay, so the new generations, the new, you know, upcoming talents, the new leaders, they deserve being treated differently in, organi- in the organizations. Mm-hmm. That's why I said it's the time now to transfer my knowledge, my my stories, my insights to a new generation of leaders. So maybe they can have an easier, a little bit easier career progression. That's mm-hmm. one reason. Mm-hmm. And the other reason is the fact that um, I spent, before starting my own practice, I spent two or three weeks really um, in loneliness to try to understand exactly what was my purpose. And mm-hmm. then what I realized is I had a brilliant career, I had the great results, but my inner purpose was really serving others. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, I can move ahead and with a career progression and uh, for other 10 years, 15 years, as many people do. And then when they retire, they some maybe, you know, or close to retire, they start coaching. I say, I don't want to do that. I want to serve my purpose mm-hmm. as soon as possible. So I became relatively young as a 45 mm. years old as a coach, mm. but then it was super rewarding. Fabulous. Fabulous. Uh, my next question to you is, uh, Andrea, how has your background uh, supported your own coaching philosophy, your style and your values? A lot, mm. really a lot. And I tell you why, because I've been a, a leader executive with international career and, uh, I have been essentially dealing with business challenges and issues mm-hmm. all the time in very mm-hmm. challenging context. So I don't have an HR background, for example. So I've been in the first line mm-hmm. since the beginning of my career. Now, that led me to build a stronger relation with C-suite leaders because mm-hmm. I've been there. So mm-hmm. we speak the same language, but also I'm very practical. I love being practical because I think... There are so many people they are offering a sort of advisory services a little bit fluffy. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I really want to bring specific value by giving specific opportunities for them to learn and to mm-hmm. grow and to and to be coached. So mm-hmm. yeah, pragmatism for me is a big one because it's okay. I think it's the best way to get results. Mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, my next question to you, uh, Andrea, is that you know we are all. In, through our lives, we meet a lot of people. We are influenced by a lot of people. Yes. How have you been shaped by some of the people in your life? And how are they influencing you as a coach today? But that's back to the to, to my point before. So I did have maybe the luxury to work with the coaches. With coaches before, although I got inspired by incredible international leaders that were around me. Mm. In, my, in my personal experience, Having worked in seven different countries, mm-hmm. in, in also in large organizations, I have seen uh, incredible international leaders speaking, influencing people in organizations. I always thought, well, these are the kind of role models I would like to have, and also a si- type of person I would like to become in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's not one single person, but it's a pool of people that all of them had a different traits, different behaviors, but collectively they. Mm-hmm taught me a lot about how to be a great leader. And then, of course, over the years, then you start working with mentors, with other coaches. I'm a coach, but I work with other coaches. Mm -hmm. So I understand that we need to step up our game every single day. So it's not one person. It's a a collective team of people that can inspire you for something specific that you don't have. Mm, Interesting. And yet, you know, when I think of it, I mean, I started working for... uh, the Indian arm of British arm, British American tobacco in 1979. In those days, uh, your mentor or your coach was either a family elder 
or someone senior in a company who took a liking for you. I wanted to ask you, how has, in your opinion, coaching evolved that it is such a major profession today and people are willing to pay for it? Well, to be fair, there are some organizations, unfortunately, they're still coaching only the, you know, the CEO, the C-suite, and unfortunately, they're not coaching, you yeah. know, other layers in the organization, which I think is absolutely wrong. On the other hand, what we have seen in the industry now, you know, it's the growing software-based coaching businesses where you essentially, you pay just a fraction of what you normally pay and mm -hmm. for an executive coach, but you can coach many, many people at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure, you know, either of these models actually are right. I think mm -hmm. there is a balance of this. However, I think coaching now finally is getting ahead. We are having more people coaching organization, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. There is a question about scaling because, you know, if you're a large organization, you can't pay, honestly, you know, coaches for each of the individuals that you want Correct. to coach. Everyone honestly deserves a coach, right, mm -hmm. in an organization. So, for example, in my, in my practice, we develop a kind of a coaching academy that with a fraction of the cost, then you can coach a team of 10, 12 people at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you have to find those kind of equilibrium or balance or mechanism in order to give scalability to a coaching opportunity in the organization. Otherwise, it will be only just for the elite or will be just, you know, I'm saying cheap in a good way, coaching for everyone, but there's not really great Very value at the end. Very interesting. And what would you say are some of your unique perspectives or some of your secret sauce that you bring to uh, a coaching relationship? Yeah, well, I, th I think it's uh, my ability, um, Ashutosh, to combine, of course, my business peers, my pragmatism mm -hmm. in, uh, in a very in a very specific situations when leaders have such a big challenge ahead mm -hmm. and they are concerned how to run and execute it. So mm -hmm. essentially I sit in a triangle, if you want, mm -hmm. where there are, you know, the, the change, the strategy and the people, so the teams. Mm -hmm. I normally sit in the middle of that, able to work with teams, especially at the leadership level, and then define the strategy you want to do, define how you want to change and then mm. make it happen. So I think that is a sort of interesting way to bring pragmatism because you can you can really solve problems if you have this approach. Mm. So it's not just wonderful open-ended question, but go straight to what are the results that you want to achieve in your mm. coaching engagement? Because if there are no clear results to achieve, it's no point, honestly, to spend money for coaching. Wonderful. One more question on coaching before we move to the next yeah. segment. Um, this is now the age of the millennials and the Gen Zs. You know, the millennial Gen Z leaders are now getting into positions of influence in most companies. What would you say are some of the areas the younger leaders need to be coached in? You know, that, that's very interesting because... Uh... The, the new generation are very different than my generation, your generation, yep, actually, absolutely. And, we, and we need to understand that. In my personal experience, I, although I don't do a lot of work with them, mm -hmm. but I, in, in, in other, my work is impacted as well mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. the, to, to, the, to these um, generations. What mm -hmm. I see, I think they should probably learn how to be relationships in organization mm -hmm. because relationship is huge. Yeah. Um, you know, they are high achievers, they want to get results very fast, but they need to remember the organizations have sort of clear, sometimes not very much clear rules, but also 
you need to build your influence in organization. Mm. And the only way to build your influence is understanding much better who, we, who are you working with, you know, where are the decision makers, who are the decision makers in organizations, mm. where the really power is, where the influence is. And you really need to build your own reputation, your own influence. And the only way to do it is by building relationships. So right. understanding exactly, mm. you know, the, your colleagues, but also understand how can I influence others? Mm. So if you understand these couple of things, you're going to be incredible, fine organization. And now that you're working remotely, it's a little bit more challenging doing it. So that's why I think it's super important that young generation understand that. Fascinating. Let's now move to culture, strategy and yeah. culture. Let me start by asking you, how do you define culture in an organization? Culture is essentially how we work. Mm-hmm. It's how, you know, we do things in a very simplistic way. But that's mm-hmm. that's really how, you know, what culture is. Mm-hmm. So is how we do things. Interesting thing about culture is culture is not a set of values. Culture is a set of behaviors. So mm-hmm. these are the behaviors that are driven by the core values of the organization. Mm-hmm. But values and behaviors can also have a mismatch. So, mm-hmm. so you have an incredible value, but then the behavior that you show consistent in organizations they're very different or not aligned with the value that you want to promote mm-hmm. so essentially these are a set of behaviors and rules sometimes are defined some other times they are not so you need to understand exactly you know what behaviors are mm-hmm. so that's essentially how we do things but it's also what what we don't do so by not having a specific behavior they essentially is like having a specific culture that we follow. Sometimes, you know, we, we focus on what we do to define mm-hmm. culture, but it's also what we don't do mm-hmm. that define cultures. Mm-hmm. So that's how I say it. Very interesting. And uh, from the perspective of a startup founder, yeah, uh, who's building an absolutely new company and is focused on getting the business, et cetera, et cetera, how do they build culture in a startup? So... We have re- we have read a lot of things about culture in startups, especially in technology war, right? Mm-hmm. So now the challenge that many founders have is the mm-hmm. fact that they build something from scratch with a very small pool of people. Mm-hmm. But it's proven now that as soon as you increase your team from, let's say, 12, 15 people, that's normally when the dilution of culture kicks in. Correct. So you have to be very careful of, of making sure that all the new comers, all the new people you're hiring, they really understand the culture that you you had in the first place when you launch a business, but also the culture that you want to have in the future. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the culture won't change because culture can change based mm-hmm. on the behavior, different behavior that you want to instill in the organization. Mm-hmm. I always remember the more you grow, the higher is the risk that your culture get diluted. Right. So you really need to, Make sure, especially in the hiring process, that the people that are coming on board, they mm-hmm. understand it fully, the culture that you want to have. Mm. And you work a lot on culture. Can culture be changed? Oh, definitely can. We can definitely change the culture, but the only way to do it is starting mm. from the top. Okay. So has to be a decision made by the CEO. Right. Um, because, you know, it could be for many reasons, either because you don't like anymore these behaviors or you see new behaviors in the organization and you don't want to see them, or hopefully because the specific behaviors that you have, mm-hmm. they're not helping to 
to drive higher performance. So mm -hmm. if you link the cultures, the behaviors to performance, then for me, it's a very good decision of good reasons to change your culture. If you just want to change it just for the sake of changing, for me, it's not a good good idea because changing culture is tough, could be long, it could be difficult. So do it for you know a small reason doesn't really make any sense. If you very do for performance, it does. Very interesting. And would you be able to share an example of uh, how you got involved in the process you followed to change culture? Yeah, well, right now I'm working with a couple of organizations on okay. that. And mm -hmm. what I what I realized, actually, which is quite very, it's, it's quite common. Mm -hmm. uh, when you work with the, with an organization that is merging or acquiring small businesses, Correct. normally, you know, the corporate and then by entrepreneurial businesses, that's normally when you see a major clash of culture, when you see mm. very structural, sometimes hierarchical, sometimes very static mm. and not very flexible organization buying or acquiring small organizations. They are used to be very flexible, make decisions very fast, mm. uh, adaptable. Uh, that's normally when uh, when you see problems. And I normally get involved when you know this problem arises, when you mm. see essentially a clash and you have to find a common ground mm. so i don't believe it's right to to maybe you know the culture b which is for maybe a, you know to give an example entrepreneurial companies you know change their way of operating to become like the the, the culture a the corporate right. A. right by finding maybe a different culture it could be mm. c you know the combination of, of the best of a and the best of b mm. and elaborating a culture c that is a way to do it Fascinating. And now to ask you a question on culture and coaching, you know, you live in a country which is multicultural. You work with people across different countries who are from different cultures. I want your thoughts on how does culture impact coaching? Well, it does. So we have two levels of culture. So we have a uh... A geographical culture, which is very important for those organizations, they are, you know, they're working globally, of course, mm -hmm. and most, you know, most organizations now yeah. they work globally. Mm -hmm. So there is a different uh, cultures based on where you sit when you are in the world. But also, also as we discussed, there are different mm -hmm. cultures internally. Correct. And and in my podcast, so the the world class leader show, we normally interview. I normally interview leaders that have an international. Uh, responsibility mm. and what i realize is you really have to find a common ground too to adapt with people they are operating different culture mm. and sometimes what is interesting i should touch is the small details make a huge difference mm. it could be the time you made the, the, of, of your meetings mm. how you engage with people in in the zoom call mm. or how you write emails with, with each other mm. so you really need to understand the differences because these differences, the cultural difference based on the country where you are, mm -hmm. they can make huge impact on doing good business or bad business. There are plenty of cases in the business world where, you know, when leaders from one country, they move to another country and they're mm -hmm. trying to, to replicate the same way of okay. doing business with terrible and negative mm -hmm. results. So you have to be very careful how you're doing that. Well said, well said. So I have time for two more questions. My next one is that you say that you deconstruct the success of high-performance leaders, share their stories, and teach the most effective strategies to move from average to greatness. Help me understand this and please give me an example. 
Yeah, so that is the description of the 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 the, the podcast I mentioned before. Yeah. So the world class leader show that we are starting now season two, but we are essentially interviewing CEOs, mm-hmm. CEOs with also some other best selling authors, and we I we ask them, you know, not not just you know what what was their success story, but what I really want to understand is mm-hmm. what are the practical insights and stories that you need to share in order to allow other people that are listening mm-hmm. to trying to repeat the success that you made mm-hmm. because many leaders they don't really share the success stories mm-hmm. and by the way that's happening as well in organizations Correct. so you know you see a lot of organizations that work in silos where there is no really time for storytelling where organization people internally they they talk about the failures, but also the success that they had, especially with the large organization. Yeah. They don't, there is no this cross-pollination between people. So that's why I launched a podcast with this idea. I want really to have successful leaders mm. share practical insights so other people that can listen, they can say, you know what, I can do it too. So the more practical the insight is, the easier for people is to, to do it. Very interesting. Well, good luck with your podcast. Um, my last question to you, uh, Andrea, and this is for the many people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your amazing journey, your incredible knowledge of coaching strategy culture, what would you say are three lessons you want our viewers and listeners to take away from your journey and from our conversation? Right. Well, it's a great question. I think for me, I would say number one is never get complacent. Okay. Never. So no matter where you are, no matter what steps you made, no matter what success you had in the past, always look for something more. Mm. So complacency kills curiosity, kills creativity, and kills success. So mm. that's for me has been a big learning based also on my personal experience. Mm. Second one is also... St- challenge your status quo Mm -hmm. don't think that it could be related to the first one but the second i think is more about don't get things for granted so challenge current thinking challenge current behaviors make sure that you go deeper because you know if you stay at the very superficial level you at some point you ended up unfortunately to have an average or mediocrity in your life so always go deeper try to understand how things why things happen why and what else you can do to get things better. And finally, being curious. Mm-hmm. Being curious, it's the skill of the future. If you are curious, you will be one of the most successful leaders in the future. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Andrea, on that note, and your three incredible lessons, never get complacent, uh, challenge your own status quo, and be curious all the time. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about your own journey, about your own philosophies and your thoughts about coaching. Thank you also for sharing with me your thoughts on culture and uh, for your podcast. Thank you again and good luck to you. Well, thank you so much, Ashutosh. It's been an amazing conversation and good luck as well with the the brand called You. It's an amazing podcast. You're doing such amazing stuff. So keep keep going. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You videocast and podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.
just search for the brand called you